So, for our final equipping night of 2020, I want to touch on some things that Dutch Sheet spoke in his last session two weeks ago in Mississippi. Um, and then I want to share some insight of what I feel like it means for us to move forward. So, a few things that he shared that some may not agree with this insight, but I thought it was tremendous and it really stirred something in me when I heard it, was number one, that we need to gain, and this isn't going to be too long, I don't think, but we need to gain an understanding of our identity in our repentance. We need to gain an identity an understanding of our identity in our repentance, that we are cleansed in the identity of our salvation in Jesus. We already are cleansed. We are clean. We are made un... Can we dim these lights up? Somebody, can y'all go... It's, it's too dark in here. Thank you, Jacob. I really appreciate that. We are already cleansed. So... When we get the understanding that we are already cleansed, we can begin to start cleaning the sin up. Not clean the sin up so that we can get cleansed. I want to say that again because it sounds very simple, but it's, it's such a big thing that the church is missing, and I want us to get it. We need to understand that we are already cleansed, and because we are cleansed, we can go clean the sin up. Not we have got to clean our sin up so that we can get cleansed. And when we start to walk into that identification, we can start to see some things shift. And what that simply means is this. Where the church has walked into up to this point on the whole is that we have embraced this wrong idea of we have to do X amount of things to earn the right to walk into an authority to win back this world, win back America, win the region, win souls, claim the area, become the people of God who walk in absolute authority. And where the church has gotten it wrong is we get wrapped up in this idea of, well, we haven't seen miracles, so that means we must, that must mean we need to pray more. Or that must mean we need to repent more. Or that must mean we need to get more fire. Or that must mean we need to get more grunty in our voice. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Like you go to a, a, a charismatic church and they think that the answer to more Holy Spirit is getting a little bit more, come on, in the way we talk. Or we think that it's, we, ha we have to do more. We have to have tent revivals more throughout the year. We have to do more. We have to earn more. We have to more, 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 more. Not understanding that God says, when I sent my son, 
and he died for you, and he paid the debt, and he cleansed you, and he made you right, I was satisfied. And what the church, and we need to understand is I think that, and Dutch said it, and Damon's been saying it, and I'm starting to really understand it, is we have been asking the wrong questions all along. And we need to start asking the right questions. And I'm going to get into that a little bit more as we go on, but I want to put this out here. It's not we've got to get better at this so that we can clean up our area. We've already been justified, and we've got to understand, let's go clean it up. We are good enough. We are justified. We are cleansed. And I know that sounds simple, but have we really and truly embraced that? Because most people, when we say we're ready to go take the land or win Savannah, it's, well, I mean, I got to get closer in my walk with Jesus. You just put an amount of I've got to earn the right to in order to go walk. So let me say it again. There is nothing more else for you to earn the right to do anything because Jesus bought the right for you to do everything. Are y'all hearing me? (laughs) To think that you can earn anything more puts you above the greatness and goodness and justice of what Jesus did for you by winning our life back. We have nothing more to gain. He gained it all. It's when are we actually going to start walking as sons and daughters. And that's the call that I really want us to embrace over these next, I know we're not going to be really going to be meeting in, over the next few weeks because of Christmas and all that. And we're going to kick off with a 24-hour worship and it's going to be insane. It's going to be great. And we're going to have our Eve of Christmas Eve next week. I guess we are meeting. But over these next few weeks, I really want us to really get that in our spirit. Not, Lord, what more, do you, what more do I need to earn the right to do? Or how much better do I need to get? It's, Lord, I understand now that I am ready. Now, what would you have me do in your name? Not to earn the right, but walk in my purpose. It is time to move into the fruit of that repentance rather than stay in repentance. Because we love to get in that circle of repent, 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 and at some point, you've got to walk into the fruit of the repenting that you've done over and over and over. At some point, you have got to walk in the new way of thinking. At some point, you have to walk into the new lifestyle. At some point, your dance and your life needs to look different than the thing that you keep repenting from. God still calls for times of repentance. There will always be times of repentance. I know there's, I mean, even Monday night, if you were here for the, if you were watching on the Zoom prayer or you came here, I, I, I repented and ask forgiveness for posting, not for the thing I posted, but for the timing of the posting. And if you, on my, if you 
friends with me on Facebook, you know my posts. And you probably read the comments on the posts. We don't get into the dynamics of that tonight. If you missed it, shame on you. No, but there's always going to be a time for repenting. I'm not trying to say we're not going to be people who repent. But there is a time to move on into the understanding that the spiritual produces the natural and that our natural does not produce the spiritual. That's something that he said that was so good. Spiritual produces the natural. Natural does not produce the spiritual. And this is what he meant by it. In other words, this is what he said. Abortion will not be stopped because we've been clean or because we've been cleansed. I'm sorry, abortion will be stopped because we've been cleansed. Not we will be cleansed once abortion is, is stopped. Let me say that again. Abortion will be stopped because we have been cleansed. Not we will finally get cleansed once abortion is stopped. And a lot of the people of God have got this idea of we need to get the sin gone so that God can redeem America. So the reason we get so zealous and ambitious about the political agenda, if you will, the reason we get so ambitious about what's right and what's wrong is because in the back of our minds we think we've got to do away with the sin so that we can be made right for revival so that we can be made right for the next great awakening, so that we can be made right for the next move of God. And God says, the existence of all this has nothing to do with what I want to do through you. I have cleansed you, and I have made you right, and that's going to stop not once you get right. That's going to stop because I have cleansed you, and when you start to walk into that, and you go clean it up with the authority I have placed on you as the church. And I feel like where the church is, is this making sense? And where the church has been at as a whole, it's we've got we've to get the, the land right. We've got we've to get our cities right so that God can do a move. You're limiting God on sin? I wish every pastor would do a whole study in Judges because I don't know about you, but this series has woken me up to the truth of how God works so much in an Old Testament study. Like, God, all, all God needed was for some one person every time to cry out to him or one people to cry out. It wasn't stop sinning so that I can. It was Return to me, and I'll return to you. Matter of fact, if you remember the, the last uh, um, sermon I preached in the, in the Kingless Kingdom series, that was in Malachi chapter 3. Before he starts talking about tithing and all these ways that the people of God turn, God said, you haven't obeyed me? You turned away from me? You come back to me? I'll come back to you. And then... God goes silent for hundreds of years and then the New Testament picks up with the coming of our Lord Jesus. And we still get in our minds of let's get the sin taken care of so that God can do a move. And I kind of get this image of God's like, you want to move? 
because you want, you think you got to get the sin taken care of? No, the sin's going to get taken care of when you start to move. We are, this is what he said. We are no longer identified as covenant breakers, but we, through repentance and prayer, have entered back into covenant. A president is not where the cleanup has to begin. The church has the authority to do it. That doesn't mean we shy away from praying into the turnaround. That doesn't mean we shy away from voting for the, 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 the candidate represents God the most. That's, but he, he's talking about something totally different. We are not depending on any one thing. He, the president is not where the cleanup has to begin. The church has the authority to do that. We are cleansed. Let's begin to clean up the stuff. We, America, are now positioned to move in this is what he said to the third great awakening. Let me say that just in case y'all didn't hear it because I should have merited a response. We are positioned for the third great awakening. Not for just us to be renewed. It is so God's wave after wave can sweep over this land and nation and millions will be set free. We are now positioned for it. The founding of this nation, from sea to shining sea, from sea from 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 sea to shining sea. I got issues, y'all. The beauty about what the church has positioned in America is that if we would start to walk in our awakening, revival might begin here but it would flow from our shores to other shores. It's not, as some people have said, Christian nationalism. And I'm not going to post anything, so I'm just keeping it right here. Just making sure y'all know this. There was, there was something said that God has not come for America. You're right. God's come for the world. And it's got to start somewhere. And it's going to start with the church. And I believe it's going to sweep through America and it's going to flow to everywhere else. Coming into agreement with movements that are already going on. Like in China, underground. Like in parts of Europe and Asia and Africa. But we can't wait for the sin to get cleaned up. We've got to go clean it. <clears throat> but it's going to come from a realization that we are clean and made right enough to go do it right now. Despite how dirty we see ourselves as. Because he no longer looks at us as that. But do you know how many people it's still so hard for them to see that? Even within this house, you know one thing the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about these past few days? He kind of gave me a, a punch in the gut. 
he said, Kyle, you know, you talk so much about how all these churches, all these churches, all these churches. He said, maybe you need to have a little wake-up call and relentless about the weakness in this house, too. Because we can talk about how we're getting a lot of stuff right, but there's still a lot of stuff we ain't getting at all. We're still not seeking all the way like we should together. Our worship still ain't flowing like it should all together. We're still not raising up leaders like we should all together. We're still not flowing in prophecy like we should all together. We're not see seeing healings and miracles. Well, why are you bringing all that up? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Let me read two passages. Is it all right if I just punch us in the gut a little bit? A little bit. Mark 16, 15 through 20. And he said to them, as you go into all, all, all the world, not the pre-selected few, all, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. That's called a personal choice based off of your own will. Amen. Scripture. Now, listen. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And you worried about what a vaccine is going to do to you? Don't worry, I'm not condoning the vaccine. I'm just saying why we're scared. I ain't either. But hear me, we're supposed to be untouchable. I mean, like, like Paul got bit and he threw it back in the fire. He's like, what? Right? Well, listen to this. They will be supernaturally protected, those who are saved, those who believe, from snakes, from drinking anything poisonous. That now, teenagers, children, that don't mean go out and do something dumb just to prove the point. Disclaimer. They will lay hands on the sick and heal them. They will lay hands on the sick. It doesn't say believers will lay hands on the sick unless it's COVID-19. I'm going to tell you right now, if someone ever gets it in this house, I'm not going to socially distance. I'm going to lay my flipping hands on them. You can call me dumb all you want, but I believe. And I believe in supernatural protection. And I would bet this, I, I would bet, and I, I, I'm not going to post it so I can say it in here. If you don't have that kind of faith, you have to wonder, where are you at? Where do you stand? 
I don't wear a mask because it protects me. I wear a mask to honor people who are freaked out because they don't stand solid on their ground. And if that, that offends anyone listening to you, it's called conviction. They will lay hands on the sick and heal them. So, so right, right there, if we're not seeing the sick healed in this house, do we justify us not seeing it by making up systematic theological doctrine as to why we don't see healing today? Or do we ask the scary question of why aren't we seeing it? And that's where I want to get up, like the kick in the butt for us. We need to start asking the scary questions. God, why aren't we seeing that? Right? Not, well, I mean, some things just happen for a reason. Some, you know, God just doesn't have what. No, no. They will go lay hands on the sick and heal them. Don't make an excuse for it. Why aren't we seeing the evidence of our belief? Let's start asking it. That's the cleanup. Am I off? Sorry, I'm yelling. After saying these things, Jesus would lift it up into heaven, which means he said all he needed to say. He stopped posting. <laughs> Never mind. Jesus was lifted up into heaven, sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of God, and the apostles went out announcing the good news everywhere as the Lord himself consistently worked with them, validating, <laughs> validating the message they preached with the miracle signs. So you know what I've, I've been doing ever since I read that? I've been, I've been asking God, like, where's the validation? Why, why aren't we walking in it? Because I, I don't know about you, but like Relentless has seen tremendous growth this year and so many victories. But I'm not going to let us get on a pause by celebrating what's happened and not move forward because we're not going to ask the tough questions that no one else is willing to ask. And as the leader of this house, I want to lead the right way and let's start asking the tough questions. Now that we've built a community and now that we're under multiple coverings, now that we're seeing some things getting in alignment, now that we're getting some pushback from the enemy, now that we're, getting, now that we're walking in our authority, we need to start asking some tough questions. God, what's next? Why aren't we seeing this kind of validation in our ministry? Because I'm not okay with preaching every weekend and having songs every weekend and having Wednesday nights and having Bible study but seeing no validation of all of it. I want to see all of it. All of it. All. Does that stir you up? Where we've gotten this wrong, I'm, I'm just going to read this that I wrote down. 
And so instead of asking the right questions of why aren't we seeing the signs of the company, <clears throat> our belief we've embraced a man-made doctrine of do more to get this. You know, let's fast more so we can see it. And then when we don't fast more, we question, do we, are we supposed to fast? Or, oh, we're not seeing, you know, more, you know, spiritual gifts, so we need to pray more. And then you pray every day, but you still don't see revival, right? And then you, you do more, you do more, you do more, and you don't get anything. Instead of being brave enough to ask, well, maybe we haven't entered into a proper position of baptism in our identity as cleansed. Not in our identity of striving, but as cleansed. Do you really understand who you are? Like just being real, if you still, and this, this, this will offend some of you, but hear my, please hear my heart on this. And if I am not, I, I am, I, I've got to give everything I am not thinking of any one person in here when I say this. If you're still dealing with overwhelming depression and anxiety, then you truly do not understand who you are in Christ. Because you are giving more truth to a false future than your current reality. Than the what ifs, than the what now. If you truly believe that a God is with you and an ever-present help in your time of need, why worry? Because you don't really believe it. And that's tough, and that's offensive, but I'm trying to get you to, to really understand, not, oh, that's critical and that's judgmental, Pastor Kyle. No, no, I'm trying to get you to ask the tough question that's going to get you to a breakthrough and realize why you're still going through that cycle. Because the truth is, you think this, but God says, no, you're cleansed, you're made right, you're good to go, I know what you need, I made you, I know you need money, I know you, made, I know you need food, I know you need breath, I know you need happiness, I know you don't need to be alone, I know this, I know this, I know this, but then we still worry, are you truly wrapped up in the identity of my God knows my every need and he is present in my every need? Because if you were truly wrapped up in that identity of he is my ever-present help in my time of need, depression has no room to live. Anxiety has no room to live. Worry has no room to live. These are the tough questions that no one wants to talk about, but it's late. The, the, the answer is laid out very clear in this ever-loving word. It's, it's right there. And I'm not trying to say just because you battled this stuff doesn't mean you're not saved. And if you're hearing that, you're still not getting what I'm saying. We're not talking about... It's not talking about salvation. We're not talking about right standing. What I'm talking about is your realization that there is nothing more for you to earn in your right standing. And because we are so focused on this and we're not wrapped up in our true identity, there is no accompaniment of our belief in all these things to walk in. Because we're more obsessed 
with a false reality, then what does God, what would God have me do? What if the reason the church doesn't see the miracles and the healings and what if the church doesn't see all these miraculous signs because our thought life is more consumed in our issues than in touch with the voice of God? And we, and we justify it by saying, I don't know how to hear him. No, you don't know how to turn off the false voice in order to hear the ever-present one. But you justify it. I just don't know how to hear the voice of God. How do you hear it? Shut off the false one that you trust more. This, it, you know what I'm realizing more and more? Like, it's, it's really not hard. And we've made it way too hard. We've made it way too, too complicated. Well, you can get, you know, is, God, I, I want to be wrapped up in your arms. And he says, yeah, I gave my son so that you can have direct access to my arms. I want to be your father. Is, is this making sense? I, I, I might be wrong with some of this, so please, if I got something off, feel free to interject. But maybe it's an issue of union and not an issue of faith. Maybe it's an issue of intimacy and not striving. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this. Jesus came down close to them and said, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to faithfully follow all that I've commanded you. Not what you pick. Not what your opinion is. Not what your value is. Not how you read my word, but what I've told you my word truly means. And I'm going to say it very, very boldly in this house. There was one truth, not many interpretations of it. And I don't know about you, but I want to be so moldable that whatever I get wrong, God says, let me reshape that part of you. <clears throat> uh, Ryan and I had a disagreement months ago. As we, as we say it's not so... If anyone knows me and Ryan, Ryan and I are very rarely agree. And uh, it, was, it was about a passage of scripture that talks about how every authority is placed by God, right? So we were talking about that, and of course, you know, I just looked at that face value, and I said, yeah, every authority is placed by God. And he was like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know if that sits well in my spirit. I'm like, well, I don't care what you think. I mean, that's just what the Bible says, you know, and. And, you know, yada, yada, yada. Well, then I started doing some more study on it recently, and I realized that if you look in that passage, it's, it's specifically talking about the authority of the kingdom government. It's not talking about democracy. Because in the kingdom government, the people don't pick the official. 
Now, that, that's, that, that sounds, sounds like her, heretical to some, but, it, but you got to look at the context of, of how it's written and where it's written. In, in a democracy, the people pick the leader, so how we pick the leader is, will the people of God pick based off of what he wants? And what we talked about but see, I, I had to be molded because I, I took it at face value. I didn't search for the deeper meaning of it. And what I'm understanding now, though, is the way God deals with all the leaders is the same way. How did he deal with God-picked kings that ended up doing the wrong thing? Because they had free will. How did he deal with them? He sent a prophet to address it. Same way he deals with the, the people that are picked in the land. And the sovereignty of God says, I will allow them to stay. Or my sovereignty will, will get involved and the uh, secret things will be exposed. Light will expose darkness. Do y'all see how he works? Honor is never to be thrown out, though. Honor the governing authorities. And I want to remind us all about this. I don't know what's... I, no, I ain't going to say that. No matter what happens, I'm still going to pray for Biden because God loves that man's soul. Doesn't love what he stands for. But there is something in him that, can, that could still be redeemed. I think we forget that sometimes to pray for the Soul, soul of the man, spirit of the man. I don't know why I'm on this kick. Because we're, we're called to walk in authority and heal. Right? No matter what happens, I ain't, I ain't scared. I, but let me just prep, say this, though. It's not over. It's not over. No matter what is said. I want to be moldable. I want God to shift me where I need to shift. There is only one truth. There is only one way. I'm going to get it wrong. You're going to get it wrong. But let's go on that journey together and say, God, like, let's start asking the right questions. Why aren't we? Teach them to faithfully follow all commanded you and never forget that I am with you every day even to the completion of this age. He's with us. Why not ask him the tough questions? Because this is what we do in our theology. Stuff's not going like it should for us and we automatically embrace, well, God must have a plan. Maybe not. Maybe you're completely outside of his plan and you need to ask him how to redeem the wrong path. Instead of being lazy and say, God, let, let's work this for my good. But we don't like to ask those scary questions because then you have to admit you're wrong. I'm getting to a place in my life where I'm not scared to admit that I, I'm wrong. Because I don't have to earn any more right for anything. I'm totally cleansed. 
So my admission of wrong doesn't make me any less cleansed. Why are we so afraid to say, God, I, I got it wrong? You, do, you, do you think you get a, a X in the, in the box? Is this making sense? I want us to see something else. And I'm going to close with this. And I do want to, I, I, I see blank stares. So you guys got anything they want to, I, I, if I said something wrong, we're going to bring it to correction. So, and I'm cool. And there's a lot of wise people in here. So, and I'm, and so if, if you know, if I said something wrong, you can correct me. <clears throat> there's a passage in Jeremiah that I want to read. And this passage is, it's called, uh, it's Jeremiah's call from God in his first visions. It's Jeremiah chapter 1, 4 through 10. Because if we're going to walk and ask these hard questions, we got to, as an apostolic center, man, this, this passage spoke to me. Like I, I was crying when I read it. And it's specifically to what I've been dealing with this week, these past two weeks, the warfare that we have been dealing with. Anyone dealing with some struggles the past couple weeks? Listen to this. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. I read that almost all the time. But I didn't read the rest of this. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young. You must go wherever I send you. And you say whatever I tell you. Don't be afraid of the people. I'll be with you. I'll protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I put my words in your mouth. Now here's the verse I want us to pay attention to, having said all that. Today, I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Now, that's what we're going to be doing as an apostolic center in this area. And then it tells you what that looks like. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot. Some you must tear down. Some you must destroy. Some you must overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. Uproot, tear down, destroy, overthrow. This is what this wasn't even in Damon's message. He just he casually mentioned this right before tithing offering time, but I couldn't get past it, so I opened the Bible up and read it. Uproot, tear down, destroy, overthrow. Build up, plant. You notice that in Jeremiah's call to, tear, to, to stand up against nations and kingdoms, he had a lot more to destroy and tear down before he could build up and plant. You know what God showed me? With our calls in the apostolic church in this area, we're called to build up a lot of things and plant a lot of things. But in order to do that, there's a lot of things that have to be uprooted, tore down, destroyed, 
and overthrown before we can build up and plant others. While we're building up and planting in the, in the hidden, we've got to go clean up. And what the cleanup is, is the destroying and the tearing down and the overthrowing, the religious mindsets, the theological mindsets, the, scared, the scary questions that we have to ask. And if, if we can try, because if we try to build up without uprooting, tearing down, des- destroying, and overthrowing, we're going to get guilty of this. Matthew 9, 16. This is the verse right before old wineskins and new wineskins. Who would patch old clothing with new cloth? Because the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And that's what God highlighted me today. He said, if you go try to change their minds before things are torn down, you're going to leave it more torn apart than you're called to heal it. And that just wrecked me. And I said, Lord, I don't, I don't want to tear anything apart. And he just told me, he said, well, embrace the fact that there's a lot more you got to tear down before you can start planting. And that's why he told us Monday night, keep hidden for right now. You haven't earned the right to plant yet. The planting's here and the building's here. And when we've done enough uprooting there, what's planted here, does that make sense? I just feel that strong. But the way we uproot and tear down is in love. And what did we see in Matthew 28 and, and what was it? Um, Mark 16, accompanied by. A bold people that they've never seen before. And boldness not defined by our yell, but the signs that accompany our belief. I can tell you, Savannah hadn't seen that yet. Pooler hadn't seen that yet. At the Hammett, they see more power in a haunted house than a Holy Ghost-filled church. Last scripture I'm going to read, then I'm going to open up for comments. I know this is a lot, but... Matthew 6, 22. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. <clears throat> when your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. The Greek and Hebrew word for healthy there is single. When your eye is singular, your whole body is filled with light. When you're fixated on the right thing, singular, you can't have many focuses. If you're focused on building your wealth, you, you, you cannot serve God and serve, <laughs> right? Because God says, I know you need the wealth, 
so focus on me and let me provide it, right? And then you wonder why you're worried about your bills because you're not focused solely on God. You're not singular focused, right? Y'all understand then the flow? But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled up with darkness. Now here's, here's where if the light you think you have, what is light? Knowledge. If the light, if the knowledge you think you have is actually darkness, if the knowledge you think you have is actually ignorance, how deep that darkness is. Some of the strongholds that have to be uprooted in this area is that people think they have a degree of light that's actually darkness, and that darkness is darker than darkness. And what I did last week that I repented of, I tried to put a new patch of clothing on it before it was torn down. Because nothing has accompanied a new theology. You, do you see how transparent I'm getting right now? Like, if I'm going to say something like, to, 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 to battle the idea of free will and God's not in control and all these things, if there is no accompaniment to my belief, walking in signs and all these things, all I'm doing is throw a new patch on the old thing and I'm not doing nothing to it. And that's what the church has been doing for hundreds of years. Maybe that's why Jesus changed the world because when he came, he was accompanied with. He didn't just say be healed. They actually got healed. Right? Like he didn't just raise a, a dead man from the grave. He waited until four days after the, the dude started to rot. Right? And all these signs will follow. There's a reason for it. I want to go that deep in this house. I don't know how. I'm going to be really honest with you. I don't know how. But I'm willing to go on that journey with you. I'm willing to figure it out. But it's not by more striving. It's by getting lost in my identity with who he is. Anybody got anything they want to share? Yep, Stacy. I have a lot I want to share, actually. So I have some notes here that I was taking. When you said about the cleansing part, when we go fishing, I don't fish, but I know a lot of you do. We don't clean the fish to catch it. We catch the fish, then we clean it. Jesus does the same thing with us. He catches us. Then he cleans us up so we can go out, catch more people for him. Once he gets them, he cleans them up. And it's just a ripple 
effect. And I can tell you right now, if Jesus can catch somebody like me and clean me up, he can do it for anybody because I was a mess in all senses of the word. I was a mess 12 years ago, and I was radically changed on August 8th of 2008. I didn't even know who Jesus was. I knew that his birthday was approximately Christmas, and I knew somehow he was God's son, and that's it. That's all I knew, and I was radically changed that day, and he changed my life forever. So if he can do that through me, he can do it through anybody and we don't need to be, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but we, <sighs> I'm sorry. When we aren't seeing miracles happen, it's because we are not looking for them. I you're looking at a miracle right here. When Courtney was 16 years old, I had only been saved, I don't know, a couple of years. And she was diagnosed with a tumor on her intestines. And there's nothing like a mother's prayer for her children. And I desperately prayed for her. And Mark eleven twenty three tells us, if you truly believe that you can move a mountain, that mountain will move. And I truly believe that God was going to heal my child. We had a, a, a CAT scan showing tumor in her body. Went back for a second CAT scan. After we prayed for her, we anointed her with oil. We had the elders of the church praying over her, and I spent the entire night praying over this child. She went in the next day. It was gone. The tumor was completely gone. If I can do that in my very young Christianity walk, anybody can do it. But I truly believed it. I saw that miracle. Just six months ago, my best friend's grandson was run over by a truck. He was two years old. He survived. He's walking around. He doesn't even have a scratch on him because a bunch of us mothers got together and prayed for this little boy. We believed that he was going to be healed, and he was. My, the same woman last week, she called me. They found a tumor in her breast and she had to go back to have a cat scan done again she was going in at three o'clock last week i think it was uh thursday she's back in wyoming i prayed over the phone with her and i believed with everything in my heart and soul that that tumor was going to be gone i prayed with her she called me that night at 6 30 it was gone Amen. so we just need to believe we it, the miracles are there if we look for them
to go along with that um, because I've been sitting here, you know, years years ago, like you, um, except mine was 16 years ago, radically changed, um, radically changed. My my life was a mess, um, and my kids were a mess. My our marriage was a mess. Everything was a mess. Um, and, and the Lord, right after salvation, took me to that word believe. Because we all walk around saying we believe. I believe in Jesus Christ. But how many people really believe? And what, that, what does that word really mean? And, and he had me do, and, and it might be good to do a word study on it and then teach from that word study. Because when I did that, it was like, Wow. It's more than just, I believe. It's like, you know the first time your child jumps in the deep end to their parent, and the parent, and it's scary, and they're jumping like three feet, and, but they trust that they're jumping into their dad's arms or their mom's arms, and even though if they slip, they could drown, but they trust their father or they trust their mother. That's the degree of belief, and like you, I was radically healed because of that, that, that degree of belief that God is who he is. So when you apply that to his word and all of his promises and you hang on to them and you really believe it, you then, I, I just think that's when we're going to see it is when we start really believing to that degree not just saying we believe, but really walking out that belief with every ounce of our being that he is who he is. The other, the other one, and, 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 and that's the word that's found in, in Mark 16, 17, is that word um, pistis, which is that conviction of truth. The other scripture that the Lord took me to, because as you were talking about identity, is um, the word seated which is cathizo, which means that we, it's, an, it's an appointment. You're seated, and, and it's said in, um, let me get to it, it's um, Ephesians 2, 6, which says, and this goes hand in hand with what you were saying earlier, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ. Each one of us has been raised from the dead. At one point or another, we were dead, and he raised us from the dead, just like he rose Christ from the dead. We are seated with him in the heavenly realms, all because we are one with Christ Jesus. And that word seated isn't like me sitting in this seat or you sitting in that seat. It actually means, let me get to it. And it's the Greek word kathizo. It's to confer a kingdom on one. So when you are seated with Christ, you are being conferred a kingdom. You're seated with him in the heavenly places. That's powerful. I mean, talk about identities, you know, change in who you are. In Christ, it takes on a whole different meaning of who we really are when we know that we are seated in heavenly places. We are conferred a kingdom when we sit with him. That's why 
go with the authority I have. See, it's not it's not just I gave you my keys. It's we're together in this same authority, same key. And that's why it's just do you understand that you have that? Like you can really get that. Um, and can you believe that? I uh even at like Island's home campus last night. They they asked me, um, we can't sleep here because we think something's in the house. I said, can you pray over it? I said, well, who owns the house? He said, I do. I said, all right, well, I'm going I'm to show you how to, because I, I don't have that authority on this property. You do. And we walked through it, and they didn't have any occurrences last night. And, 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 and it, for the first time, you know, he was, he was speaking the things he couldn't see, but he believed what he was saying. Anyways, anybody got anything, anything else? Yeah? Well, I think, you know, we're asking these hard questions. You know, you're asking these hard questions, and it's amazing to me just what I've been talking to the Lord about today and what your my wheels are my wheels are in overdrive right now because of the things that the Lord and I have been talking about today and just a good if you're a note taker a good scripture reference for all of this conversation is Galatians 2 and 3 and he, they were he was talking about um the false teacher and the the uh, Galatians and how um they had they the false teacher came in and was like, you need to go back to the law. It, you need to be circumcised. You need to go back to the law. And he says, did you receive the spirit by observing the law or believing the promise? And I think the church, the Western American church, our church culture, our religion as a whole, not relentless, but church-wide for as long as I've been going to church, has said, do more, be more, strive more in its religion. And they keep throwing us back into the law. And it goes all the way back to the scripture. I mean, this is 4,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, 2,000, whatever. You know, it's, it, it, this isn't a new thing. They were striving back then. Do you see what I'm saying? And he said, did you receive the spirit by believing the law or by believing the promise? Because Abraham believed a promise. And I was sitting there and I was thinking that today, the last promise I received from the Lord well, where do you get a promise? You get a promise in the presence when you hear the voice. But unless you are seated with him, in him, baptized in the presence, do you see what I'm saying? Then you don't hear the promise because the accuser is louder than the whisper. And so we get stuck and we have these, uh, the... Vain imaginations that we have to cast down and throw down constantly. The anxiety and the worry and the this and the that. 
and we can't defeat it because the accuser is so loud because we're not in the presence. It's not about doing more. It's about seating more, sitting more, receiving more, listening more. The reason Jesus, this is what he said today, the reason the people got healed when he touched them is because he went on the mountain all night long and was in his father's presence. He didn't, he didn't have all this other stuff pulling at him. And I know we all work and all of that, okay? But I'm saying, when do we go sit? When do we go baptize ourselves and dunk ourselves in the pool of God? Because that is where the power comes from. That is where the belief comes from. That is where we hear the promise. You know, I was sitting there, I was thinking about the promise, the last promises I heard. I was on my way to Statesboro, bawling my eyes out like a baby. Because of the promise that the Lord has given me as I'm meditating on that scriptures. Galatians 2 and 3. It's not the law. Religion says, go back to the law. The American church says, every, sing, every single church I've been to, I'm not saying relentless, okay? But we all, every church I've ever been to, and I went from heathen to really religious, okay? From heathen. And from for the last, this is no lie, for the last five years, my constant prayer has been, Lord, take every bit of religion I have out of me. Rearrange the furniture in my mind. I want that religion gone. I want every single bit of it gone. And that's where the prayer has to start. Unteach me the things that I've been taught that's not true. All these formulas, all these programs, all this striving, it comes because we're so desperate for God. We want to be that agent. I want to be that agent. I want to lay my hands on the sick. But I'll tell you what, it's not until I get in the presence and I hear the promise and I get the belief and I shut out the enemy and I cast down. He is the accuser. And the thing is, this is the thing. Blood of bulls and goats couldn't cleanse our conscience. Only the blood of Jesus, the Bible says, can cleanse our conscience. It's the only thing that takes all that away. So it's all about getting back in the presence and reading the word for what it really is and not, listen, not sorry, not saying you. I'm, but I am saying you. When you get up here, if we don't go home and we don't search out that word for ourselves, we're going to believe what a man says. And what if that man is wrong? All I got to say is, are you laying hands on the sick and healing them? Because if you're not, I'm searching that dang scripture out myself. You know what I'm saying? Sorry, don't get me on my soapbox. You know, you, don't, you might not want to hand me a mic no more. I'm just saying. You know, this is the things. I'm just saying. That is my heart's cry. Show me the greater things, Lord. The things that was in John. He said, you'll do these things and greater. And I live my life for the greater. But the greater don't come when I'm sitting there watching HBO, Cinemax, whatever's on TV. I don't watch TV. I'm not saying go home and turn off your TV. I don't watch TV. I don't have time. 
Not for where I'm going in the Lord. I haven't seen the things that I want to see in God. I don't have time for that. I don't have time. I don't have time to go shopping. I don't have time to talk about the paint on your walls or the cabinets. You may think that I'm an introvert, and I am. But I am not going to have shallow talk with you if it is not about Jesus and it is not taking me where he says I can go. I'm sorry. We can't. You know what I'm saying? And that is the church says you can have this and you can have a little bit of compromise and you can. You can have your opinions and you can have your dope and you can have your whiskey and you can have your this and you can sometimes get a healing, but it might not be God's will. I'm sorry. It wasn't his will to save us because salvation and healing go hand in hand. If you read Isaiah 53, Psalms 103, he says, I rescued you from the pit and I healed your infirmities. All of it is the same. I'm not saying, I, I'm just saying, and I'm not saying sh- you, you got to strive and you got to do more in the law. I'm saying, what does Jesus say to you? And we have to go by our own convictions. And when we can't, see, when we are being accused, you know, some people, Have, okay, we all have a different level of conviction. Even my family members and I have a different level of conviction. I'm going to say it that way, okay? They can do things that I can't do. But I have to listen to my Heavenly Father's voice. And if He said, This is the line you walk to receive the promise that I've given you, and this is your journey. And these are the people you're going to come up with. And if they see you doing that thing, they're going to question me in your life. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not going to cause my brother to stumble. But that's my walk. And I have people in my family that do a different thing than I do. So I'm not saying it's about the law. I'm saying when the accuser comes, you question, do I need to repent? Because that's, I need to repent. Guys, my, I have a friend, and she's like, and I'm sorry I'm taking so long. But I'm like, you, she says, um, I'm not going to say this, Lord. She just, we're not convicted the same. I'm going to say it that way. And I walk such a, I can't even have a thought. If I had a thought about Kathy... And it was impure. I'm going I'm to go home tonight. And I didn't, just so you know. We're good. But I'm going to go home tonight. And I'm going to lay in my bed. And the Holy Spirit's whisper is going to come to me. And I'm going to lay in my bed and struggle until I make it right with you. You know what I mean? I'm going to get up the next morning. How many times have I called you the next morning? You know what I mean? I'm going to get up the next morning. And I'm going to say, hey, I need to confess. I need to repent. I need to whatever because that's my walk. Because if I don't, when I get back on my knees, that's the thing I'm going to hear. That's the thing that I can't break free from. That's the thing that puts me in worry or depression or running from God or hiding because I'm so bad. How could I do that? Do you see what I'm saying? But if we'll just listen to that still small voice, if we'll listen to what he's saying, I'm not saying we're all on the same 
level of conviction. You know what I mean? I think the further you walk with God, the more you shed. You know, that's just my own thing. Take it or leave it. I'm not really sure what that hum is. You know, when it all comes down to it, it's, it's simply this. Because, you know, I don't want anyone to get to misconstrue what she just said and, and part of what she just said. We're not talking about do more. The one thing that Jesus says, and it's part of what Amy was just saying, sacrifice. It's relationship. And in order to walk closer with him, what did he tell all of them to do? All right, sell your possessions. Leave this. Leave that. And the westernized idea of it is you're either on this, this spectrum of super law or super grace well, you're not called to do anything or you're called to strive, strive, strive. It's very simple. It's a relationship with him. Jesus was in the presence with his father and everything flowed from it. Worship team, we, we are not going to find the new sound simply by practice. The new sound is going to come from presence. And presence is not just when we come together. Presence is what you do in your own time. And I go, you take that principle for everyone. Well, I just want, I want, I want this in my life. Presence. It's not by striving. It's by presence. He has done everything for you. Stop trying to one-up what he's done. Start letting go of more. Damon Thompson always says it like this. Get lost in the circle dance like David did. Get lost in the dance. Do you get lost in the dance? Or do you stop dancing because you get worried about X, Y, and Z? And that's the issue with the church. We get so worried about A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know, all these issues. And we don't know how to just get lost in the presence of God. But we've made the presence of God this, well, let's set the lights down. You know, we, we make it this experience thing, right? And we're guilty of it in every degree, right? And, and I, I'm, I'm going to get really surface level for a second. Why is it that we experience him more when the lights are off, right? Because you're not experiencing God. You're having an emotional experience. Right? Why does connect bear with God when the lights are off? So you're telling me that God is hindered by electricity? Well, that's just how I connect. No, 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 no. You're not connecting with him. 
You're connecting with what you see and what you're experiencing in the natural, my friend. No matter how you look at it. And I know that offends some of you, but I'm just, I'm there too. I, I'm not trying to, to get on this platform. And I'm not saying there's certain, I mean, I, I get there, you know, I got to put a certain song on or I got to be, I say it all the time in my testimonies. I, I got to get, I got to go to the beach to talk with God. I've had to redefine that for me. If God's with me, why do I got to go somewhere to talk? I, I have to redefine, I'm, I'm not trying to, to one-up you. I'm having, I'm having to redefine it for me too. Right? I got to turn some worship music on. The last time I checked, the angels were singing 24-7. Worship music's always playing. I mean, like, really? Like, do we really understand the context of what, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to pull us all. Let's just, let's just get lost in relationship with him. He, he really is that good. 